This podcast is brought to you by the Love Serve Remember Foundation and Ramdas.org. Hi, I'm Raghu Marcus. In the middle of this retreat at the Gandhi Ashram, the monsoon had arrived. Anytime we go anywhere, we end up removing giant leeches from our legs and feet. It was quite lovely. Anyhow, I suddenly realized that my passport's about to expire and I need to go to Delhi to get it renewed. So happens that I had a contact for the high, Canadian High Commission through my boss at the radio station in Montreal, where I had met Ramdas. So off I go to Delhi, and on the way through the foothills, I stop to see Maharaji at the ashram in Kenshi. And I arrive. There's no other Westerners there. In fact, there's hardly anybody there. He's sitting on his tucket with just a couple of Indian people and asks me if I am married. And I say cleverly, I thought, no, I just want to marry God. (laughs) Well, that brought a huge laugh from him and the Indians around him. It was quite embarrassing, actually. And then he said to me, did you have darshan of a Tibetan lama? I said, no, I've never even met a Tibetan, never mind a lama. He said, you didn't just have darshan of a Tibetan lama and he gave you teachings? I thought he meant the Buddhist meditation teacher who was supposed to come to Kosani to teach the group, but he said, nay, that's not it, Tibet lama. So after the big jow from Maharaji that day, I left for Delhi and I was invited to the high commissioner's house for lunch. When I met him, I had heard about Canada had been letting in Tibetan refugees, and I asked him about it. He suddenly turned to the side, and walking through a door with a retinue of Tibetan monks in red robes was Kalu Rinpoche, one of the greatest lamas of the last century. I knew about him, and I stood there in shock as I remembered the day before Maharaji asking me if I had met a Tibetan lama. So stunned as I was, off we went for lunch in this ornate, huge dining room, and I sat exactly across from Kalu and next to some Canadian journalists who were there to interview him for the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. Well, they invited me to be with them while they interviewed him in in an adjacent room. Well, they were interviewing him, and they were asking hmm, maybe a little bit dumb questions like, what did he think about Christianity? And he said, I wouldn't know anything about Christianity. And then they asked me to ask something. As soon as that happened, he sat bolt upright in his chair and totally connected to me with his eyes. And I asked about how it seemed so easy to meditate in the mountains where I had been. But now coming to the city, I couldn't find my balance, my center. I said, Did you, do you need to stay in the mountains to feel that same space? And he said, absolutely not. He told me the stories of the, the story of the seven siddhas of ancient India, all who became realized through their work, whether it was weaving or pottery or stonemaking. And this went on for about 30 minutes, where I received this Lama's teachings. It was amazing. I mean, I was in one moment just completely blown away by this Lama and these teachings. And then all the time through that, 
that was just this hovering over me was, oh my God, he knew exactly what was going to happen to me today. Let me say, I walked out of there in a state, it was kind of like I had taken a hit of acid. I just, I couldn't believe what had happened. My mind was truly blown. And honestly, I was never the same again. One of the beings who has written a very useful book at one stage of one's journey uh, is uh, uh, Uspensky, who was a student of Gurdjieff and a philosopher in his own right. And he said, and he explained on page five why it is that he isn't a realized being. Although I don't think he meant to say it quite that way. And he's describing different schools and what they taught, different secret schools. And he says, there was another type of school with which I was unable to make contact and of which I only heard. These schools promised very much, but they also demanded very much. They demanded everything at once. It would have been necessary to stay in India and give up thoughts of returning to Europe, to renounce all my own ideas, aims, and plans, and proceed along a road of which I could know nothing beforehand. These schools interested me very much, and the people who had been in touch with them and who told me about them stood out distinctly from the common type. But still it seemed to me that there ought to be schools of a more rational kind, and that a man had the right, up to a certain point, to know where he was going. That a man had the right, up to a certain point, to know where he was going. These are huge amounts of energy. Just pass the energy through you, right, and you pass it up your spine, and it really blows your mind if you do it right. It's gratuitous energy handed to you. Free trip. Courtesy of you. See, Uspensky wasn't willing to do that one thing, to give up knowing he knew. And the funny thing about the rational mind is it's taken us so far, and then it becomes the lion at the gates. It's so seductive, it looks like it's going to give us the whole business. And then, lo and behold, it holds us back at a certain point. Because we are so rewarded for knowing we know. And it's only when you come to the despair that seeing, when you look around at where man has gotten with his rational mind, and you suddenly understand that he's just going from the frying pan to the fire. 
And you look at the, the Herculean task that he has outlined for himself, and you realize that his rational mind just isn't going to be enough. I mean, you add up all the, quote, intellectuals of the world. Who do you want to put the man's destiny in? Whose hands? Herman Kahn? I don't. Who? I mean, I can't find a model. I don't see wise men. I see rational, super rationalists, uh, George Bundy. Super rationalists. Exquisite minds. But as Einstein said, when atomic energy was released for man's control and benefit, he said man must develop a higher form of thought if he is ever going to be able to use this energy with wisdom. Because his rational mind's not going to do it. It's not going to be enough. That's the despair. That's the despair. All the eggs, all the, the basket we put the eggs in just isn't going to make the trip to grandmother's house. It's just not going to do it. strangely enough is in the simple words here and now if you could be here and now if you could for one moment turn off your mind see you don't have to listen to this lecture like you're doing you don't have to be evaluating categorizing thinking about it putting it away in storage units analyzing the words to make sure you understand them. You can let it all go through you, just like uh, Chinese food, and just let it go through, and you'll understand it all, because there's nothing I'm saying to you that there isn't a place in you where you already know it. Now, I'm going to have to move slowly till you understand what I just told you. <laughs> but you can trust. That's the first requirement, trust, you see. You've got to give up that kind of thing. You've got to give up the, the reaching for it to have it. As long as you reach, you can't have it. This whole trip that I'm talking about is fraught with paradoxes. The most exquisite paradoxes. As soon as you give it all up, you can have it all. How about that one? As long as you want power, you can't have it. The minute you don't want power, you'll have more than you ever dreamed possible. What a weird thing. What a weird thing. As long as you have an ego, you're on a limited trip. You're on a little trivial trip that's going to last roughly 60 years, 70 years, 80 years. Fraught with fear of its end, trying to make its own eternity eternal name by leaving a stone building perhaps <laughs> being is dying by loving something in me must die and something new must be born 
He that is born of the flesh is of the flesh. He that is born of the spirit is of the spirit. Unless ye be born again, ye cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. We're talking about a metamorphosis. We're talking about going from the, the caterpillar to the moth. We're talking about how to become butterflies. How do we become butterflies? I mean, the caterpillar that's walking around doesn't say, well, man, soon I'll be a moth. Because as long as he's being busy being a caterpillar, he can't be a moth. It's only when caterpillarness is done that one starts to become a moth. And that, again, is part of this paradox. You can't rip away caterpillarness. The whole trip occurs in an unfolding process under which you have, over which you have no control. That's a hard one. Well, what am I doing here if I have no control? You mean I don't have any choice? Can I say this is nonsense? Can I say this is important? Your lecture changed my whole life. You think that's choice? You think that's choice? No. Not at all. It's an unfolding process. If you could stand back far enough and watch the whole process, you would see that you are, you are a totally determined being. The moment you will wake up is totally determined. How long you will stay asleep is totally determined. What you will hear of what I say is totally determined. There are no accidents in this business at all. Accidents are just from where you're looking at it from. To the ego, it all looks like it's miracles and accidents. No miracles, no accidents. Just your vantage point is sort of stuck in. Before I uh, I proceed, I want to advise you that when you leave here this evening, whoever it is that leaves, <laughs> you will be offered, which you may accept or not as you choose, a, an additional crutch to help you with your work, which will be a reproduction of this tanka of Padmasambhava. I met a tulku, a, a very high incarnation, a Tibetan incarnation in Sarnath in India. And he was, he had brought this tanka from Tibet and he was very interested in having this tanka, having Guru Rinpoche available to people in the West at this time. And so he and I together shared the expense and involvement of having these reproduced. It's very, very beautiful reproduction. And you are, and they are not for sale, they are priceless. You are given one. And may I just enjoin you, if you're going to take one, 
Don't take it unless you feel it in your heart, but if you would like Guru Rinpoche's help by your puja table or by your meditation cove or wherever it is that you cool yourself out from the life drama, Guru Rinpoche should be hung slightly at 30 degrees above, right? And then uh, he'll watch out for things. He'll, he'll keep you cool. He's quite a gas, and you can read about him. He's written about in books. He did some far out things. predicament and who am I? For only when I know who I am will I know what is possible. And furthermore, I can ask the question, how will I know who I am? one knows about what we are talking about this evening. One way you know about it is by direct experience. Through some way or other, through being alone in the desert, through falling in love, through bearing a child, nearly dying or some other trauma through turning on through yoga through taking any one of your senses and pushing it to beyond itself going through it you have touched a place inside yourself that has an intuitive validity an intuitive validity, it's intuitively valid. Inside you know it's right. Many of you had an experience, I've been with literally, literally now, perhaps over a hundred people, who have had an experience which was powerful and valid. It was so discontinuous with their normal consciousness that it scared them so badly that they screamed for help and the help that was available to them were a group of minds which said that's all right you have just gone crazy
That is, the experience you've just had is the experience of psychosis. William James said, our normal waking consciousness is but one form of consciousness whilst all about it parted from it by the filmiest of veils screens there lie other types of consciousness entirely different we may pass through our entire lives without suspecting their existence but apply the requisite stimulus and at a touch they are there in all their completeness special types of mentality each probably somewhere having its field of application and adaptation no view of the universe in its totality can be complete which leaves these other forms of consciousness quite disregarded but how to regard them is the question they determine attitudes though they fail to furnish a formula they open regions though they do not give a map at any rate concludes James they forbid our premature closing of our accounts with reality said that somewhere around probably 1906 something like that in spite of what he said we've closed our accounts with reality most of us that experience you had is psychotic I will give you Thorazine <laughs> it is not valid you are hallucinating what do you mean you're God <laughs> what do you mean you're God the experience may have come to you directly that way or it may have come to you through inference through your intellect you may have reasoned and reasoned and reasoned until you saw the uh, peculiar position that rational man is in and you realize there must be something else although you've not experienced it you just infer the presence of something else it doesn't quite make sense nothing turns you on you haven't experienced it directly but you figure there must be something there I mean you read you read all of the writings of Saint John of the Cross and Teresa and and on and on all of the mystics and visionaries through recorded history and you say well they can't all be nuts they must be talking about something so you sort of infer the presence of this other thing but you don't know about it now that's a tougher one to be in that position then the third way is that you trust you trust the fact that there are realized beings and they've said it and therefore you know it to be true it's not inference anymore it's not an intellectual process you just accept what they have said as faith 
See, we have gotten so super sophisticated in our evaluative mechanisms that you question everything you hear. How do you know you're not being hustled? I mean, you know, what was Jesus up to? What was the thing about? What do they want? What's the game? What's the game, man? What's he, what's he into? What's he into? And that you especially feel if you are one of the keepers of the tables in the temple. If you are committed to an existing system with great attachment, with great attachment, Some way or other, though, most of you in this room, most of you, not all of you, but most of you have sensed the possibility, sensed the possibility. It happened to me the first time I took uh, psilocybin, a, a synthetic chemical. It's a synthetic of the Tiananoctil, the Mexican mushroom, which is commonly known in the mountains as the flesh of the gods, Tiananoctil. And you ingest nine mushrooms, five male and four female mushrooms. And you are, you transcend your ego. And you see how it all is. And you touch, you go through the door, you go through the doorway into the magic theater. You may even get beyond the magic theater. You might get to the clear white light, all the way to Nirvikalp Samadhi. You go just as far as you can give up to go. Some people take these, use this method, and they say, wow, dig the colors and lights. Some say, boy, I feel so close to other people interpersonally. Some say, wow, you and I are one. Some say, why, there isn't even a you and I. It's just energy. Some say, it's all and everything and nothing. It's the void. And they're beyond words. You go just as far as you're ready to go. Those are all stages on the path. They are also known as the physical, astral, and causal planes. Same thing. Different words. How high did you get in the last trip? How high? Well, I went into Hiranyaloka, an upper level of the astral plane. And you can get pretty good at chronicling the whole thing when you understand how the chronicle works, how the pattern is, is designed, how the... The system is designed. You went through the door, but you get thrown out. 
At least I got thrown out. Maybe you didn't get thrown out. If you didn't get thrown out, you are a realized being. And if you're a realized being, you're not here. <laughs> so everybody here has at least been thrown out or never got in. Right? Here we are, outcasts. We've all been rejected. We all came to the wedding feast and we weren't wearing the wedding garment and we got bound hand and foot and cast into outer darkness and here we are. Right, this is a meeting of outer darkness. And there was much crying and gnashing of teeth. That's what he said. It's all on the level. It's all straight. I mean, he's, he's telling you just how it is. That's what's so far out about it. Absolutely so far out. This podcast has been brought to you by the Love Serve Remember Foundation and Ramdas.org. We appreciate all the support for the Foundation and for Ramdas's work, and we hope that you will continue that support. You can go to Ramdas.org and click on the Donate Now button and follow the prompts. Thank you. <laughs>